We'll praise the Lord. Amen. We're glad to be in the house of God this Sunday school, Sunday morning, here on October the 10th. I don't know about you, but this, this year has gone by fast. Uh, I told somebody the other day that if we could go back to, say, uh, 2019, but not have COVID, let's do that, because I feel like I have lost two years. Uh, there's a lot of things that's happened, and I, w- I wouldn't want those to happen again. Uh, but we want to make, we, uh, I, feel, I just feel like I've lost a lot of time, but, uh, but I'm, be, I'm glad to be here in the house of God this morning with you. We want to go to the Lord in prayer and ask God just to touch and minister in our Sunday school class today. If you have a prayer request, please text it to the number listed on the bottom of the screen. Let's go to God in prayer today. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, I want to thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this great opportunity that you've allowed us to come to worship and praise you. Father, today I pray that you'll just move and minister in a mighty way in our services. Father, you've heard the request. You see the needs. You see those that's been sent in over text or or, uh, messages. And Father, I pray that you'll just minister in a mighty way to every one of these requests and these needs. Touch the Sunday school class this morning. Touch our praise team uh, during our morning worship. Touch each one that has a part in our services today. Father, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, This morning, as we have been looking over the last couple of weeks, and remember if you're online, uh, if you're at home or you're even in-house, you can go to our website at cvcog.church. You can follow along, take notes, and email the outlines to yourself. Take advantage of that. There's been some additions that's been added to the website. I challenge you to go find those, text them to me, and see. Uh, let's see who can find the most changes. Uh, may give you a gift card or something like that to see, who it, see if somebody can find a lot of the changes. So uh, if you can find at least five, text them to me. This Sunday morning, uh, we're looking at the creation in the whole Bible. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at the new creation. This is not talking back from Genesis. This is in Revelation. Uh, So that's where we're going to be at this morning, Revelation chapter 21. Uh, This morning we're going to be looking at how God will make a new heaven and a new earth where no sin and no sorrow exist. We're going to focus on a couple of things. We're going to focus on how God can and will make all things new. And we need to accept His invitation to become a new creation in Christ. God has created us, and God can create us anew. Uh, the, having to wear glasses, we won't have to do that no more. But back, back issues, cancer, those things will be gone. And that is the new creation that we're looking forward to. Christ invites all people, everyone, young and old alike, to be a part of this new creation. So this morning I want to take a look at Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21 and starting in verse 3 is what we're going to be looking at today. Our golden text says this, And I heard a great voice out of heaven, I heard a great voice out of saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will deliver them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them, and be their God. That's the King James Version. I want to read it out of the ESV Version because it, it, it adds a little bit, does not add to Scripture, but it, it gives us a little more clarification and description to that. Somebody wants to ever talk about the versions, uh, King James versus ESV versus NIV, be glad to talk to you about that in private. I have a chart that shows uh, how those things line up, so I'd be glad to talk to you about that. But look at the ESV here. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. What we need to understand, and it gives a little bit more of a clarification on a couple of things. It talks like we talk today, basically. But I want us to look at something today. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about the creation of God. We've been talking about how that God has created things. And, and then remember, one of the things that was said is God said, it is good. And then on the sixth day, he, all things that he made was good. Seventh day, he rested. And then chapter 2 of Genesis starts talking about, it goes into more detail about his creation of man. So from the portals of chapter 21 and 22 of the book of Revelation... We stand on the appearance of the new heaven and the new earth and dwelling in righteousness with God. That's found in 2 Peter 
chapter 3. We step into an eternal day where there's no night and God and the Lamb of God are the light. We're stepping into something as new. And I believe that God is wanting all mankind to be a part of that. The redeemed inhabitants are called the servants of God. We never grow weary. We never go tired. We never grow old. We never experience exhaustion, pressure, pain. Does anybody like that? We never experience exhaustion. Anybody like that? Uh-huh. We never experience these things. Our heavenly service, service will be neutral and easy. It is going to be a joy serving God in the new heavens and the new earth. Oh, but Brother Andy, I thought I was going to just sit on, uh, on, on the beach somewhere on a, in a uh, lawn chair uh, just enjoying life. Well, you know what? We're going to enjoy life, but we're going to enjoy it serving God. The redeemed will never or will see as never before. We can find in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 4 that the redeemed shall see the face of God. Can you, um, you know, I know that we've talked to people before. I, I remember several, several years ago, I was on the phone and I had talked for years with a flower company. I was in Anniston, this flower company was in Gadsden, and I had never met the people. I had never met them. And I had ordered flowers from them for the funeral home that I worked at in Anniston for years, six years plus years that I'd been working there and, and calling sometimes two times a day, several times a week. Never laid eyes on them. But there would come a day that I walked into the flower shop and the, the, ladies was, the ladies that was working there, they was as far back as this, about as far as from the sanctuary, from the front of the sanctuary to the back. And they, they was standing there, and the first thing out of their mouths was, can I help you? Well, I didn't say anything. I kept walking closer. And the other lady said, can I help you? I knew who each one of those was. I knew their names because I had talked to them many, many times. So as closer I got, my wife was with me, and we was walking back there. Closer I got, and I said, hello. Andy, they knew who I was based on my voice. I've walked into the state office of the Church of God. I walk in. I've been there many times now, but I walked in for one of the first times and with this new lady there answering the phones. I walked in, and I said, hello. She said, hey, brother Andy, how you doing? She had no, I've never met her, but it was our voices that give each other away. What we need to understand is the Word of God tells us that we're going to know God by His voice. We know Him by His voice. Why? Because He speaks into our lives. He tells us. I told somebody just this week, they was telling me, well, the devil has told me... Well, how? my question is simply this. How do you know that's who's speaking in your mindset? Because you know, okay, we have a knowledge base on that. Now, I want you to look at something here. Can you imagine seeing Christ face to face? You've heard him. Now, look, I know that God can speak in an audible voice just like I'm talking right now. But there's also that still, quiet voice in the back of our mindset. You know that that is God. You know that's the Holy Spirit of God. You know, you, you pick up a piece of bubble gum and you're going to walk out the door and that still small voice says, uh-uh, you better not. You know that that is God. Now, let's go on. When we see Him, we're going to see Him as the two saw Him on the road to Emmaus. Now, look, they was walking on the road to Emmaus, but they did not recognize who they was with. Can you just imagine that? You know, I, I've taught, I know that, uh, I know I've seen Brother Roger at least once. And, but I've talked to him over the telephone. And when he walks in, I know that who that is because of the, I recognize that voice. Here's the thing about it. And I've talked to different ones, and you recognize them because of their voice. But they was on the road to Emmaus, and they did not know who he was they saw him, but they still didn't know who he was. Some will say, you know, well, he was, didn't want them, so therefore he made it to where that they didn't recognize him. Can you just imagine that you've been around the Son of God for so long, and then he's right in front of you, and you don't recognize who he is? 
The thing about it is, is when, we're, when we come face to face to God, we'll see Him like never before. He will not vanish from us, and He'll be with us throughout eternity. We have talked on Sunday nights, and I encourage you to go back and re-watch and look at those, uh, those videos from the book of Revelation that we've been looking at, uh, that study on Sunday nights. But the book of Revelation clearly gives us an assurance from God that God will send Jesus Christ one more time. He's going to come, and He's going to come quickly. We're not going to know. We're not going to give a warning. There's not going to be a warning. It's going to be a trumpet sounding, dead in Christ. Then we that are alive and I don't think that there's going to be a hey warning time. I think that it's going to happen that quick. The Apostle John responds with the words by urging God to come. He closes the book with a benediction of grace. So we're going to take a look at a couple of things. We're going to see how God is going to make all things new. Take a look at Revelation. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 21. If you're at home or you're in the house and you want to turn your Bibles and you want to follow along with us, Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1. We're going to be reading, uh, right now we're going to read verses 1 through 4 straight through. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4, And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. Their eyes, excuse me. Death shall be no more. There shall be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The former things, all of those things that falls into those categories, all the former things have passed away. So Revelation chapter 20, I know we're in 21, but just follow with me. Revelation chapter 20 ends on a dark and dreary note. People small and great are called before the throne room Judgment. There, it, look, there's a lot of steps of the rapture of the church. And in a portion of that, we've not even got into that in the Sunday night, so just bear with us. I've enjoyed it. I know it's lasted a minute or two or a month or four. But bear with it because I tell you, it's, it's, I think it's a really good study. But at some point in time, we're going to be looking at there's a great white throne room judgment. And people will be... a judged according to their works. I'm going to pause right here because the word judge just got spoken. People misuse this word. Don't judge me. If I preach on still, don't judge me. That's not judging. A judge sets up on a, on a bench and he passes judgment. The defense and the prosecution presents their case and judgment is passed out. What we must understand is Preaching and teaching on what the Word of God says, that's not judging anybody. People believe that it is, but that is not. I, I give you a whole sermon on that if you'd like. Anyone whose name is not recorded, verse 15 tells us in Revelation chapter 20, anyone whose name is not recorded in the book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire. This marks the end of godlessness and a rebellious world. Paul, Peter describes what happens in the old world. You can go over and you can look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 says, The day of the, of the Lord will come, as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This will be followed by a bright morning of eternal bliss, ushering the great the in the glorious state fit for the eternal home of the saints. 
when Jesus comes back as a thief in the night, the, new, the old heavens, I'm, I, I throw that word old in there because I want to make a distinction. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth at some point in time. All of the things that are here currently, they're going to be burned up with fervent fire. All the works therein. And they're going to be ushering in a new heaven and a new earth which is fit for the home of the saints. In this vision we find in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, go back to that, John saw the first heaven and the first earth replaced by a new heaven and a new earth. Also, John saw the sea represented and there was a separation. There's a distinction about the sea being brought into this. On the Isle of Patmos, John was surrounded by the waters that separated him from his loved ones. On the new earth, there'll be no death and there'll be no separation. The sea will be no more. I do not believe that this, when John was writing this, you got to understand, the book of Revelation, there's a lot of symbolism and there's a lot of, there's things in there that uh, talks about the carnality. There's things in there that talks about the spirituality and there's things that are symbolism. And you, it, it, it's, I'm going to be straight up with you. It's hard to distinguish between those at times. But I personally believe that what this is talking about, it's not talking about just water, but it is talking about separation. It's talking about death. When the new heaven and the new earth comes in, everything from the old or the first heaven and the first earth will be passed away, and death shall be no more. Separation shall be no more. All right, how do you know that? Okay, go back to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, what did we see? We see I was supposed to slow down, wasn't I? In the book of Genesis, what do you see? You see that in Genesis, what happened? Adam and Eve brought sin, brought death, brought separation into mankind. How did they do that? By allowing sin to come in. And by doing that, they brought death. They brought separation. They brought heartache. They brought all the things that we're facing today. Revelation 21 and 1 says, those things are gone. And the sea, death, separation shall be no more. We're going to stand there with God forevermore. You can take a look at verse 2. Verse 2, in his vision, John saw the new Jerusalem. John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven. This city is divine in its origins, and coming down from God is fit for the description that is given to us. One commentator actually wrote, and I like this, this was in our, our Sunday school lesson, and I wanted to read this. This is a, commentary, uh, a commentator that actually wrote, this is a bright, verse 2 is a bridal scene. It's a city prepared in all her beauty as a bride adorned for her husband. I'm going to pause here for just a second. Y'all don't ever tell Sister Carrie I said this. That means you, Roger. <laughs> on our wedding day, on our wedding day, our wedding was at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I woke up at a normal time. I got up. I ate breakfast. I sat in the recliner. I lounged around. I was told to be at the, I don't remember what time I was told to be at the church. I'm going to say 11 o'clock. Seems awful early, but you, anybody ever done one of those weddings? Yep. So I got up. I got my shower. I washed my hair. I actually had hair. If you don't believe me, the wedding, you don't believe me. <laughs> Several are shaking their heads in here. If you don't believe me, go back on Facebook and you'll see the Sister Carrie's page. You'll find some of the wedding pictures. I actually had a little bit of hair there. It was <laughs> And so, you know, I get ready. I put that monkey, the tuxedo on, and I go. It was pretty simple, pretty easy. Never tell your wife that. Because she got up a whole lot earlier than I did. There was, the, was two hours. I don't know how long there was. But you get my point. Two hours at the at getting her hair done and this over here and this over here. And it was a long, stressful day. But I want you to see something. 
as the bride of Christ. Who is the bride of Christ? Who is the bride of Christ? We are. Y'all, this is sort of tying. I did not intend this. Does anybody believe me? I don't think so. I did not intend this. I really, I didn't. This goes right along with the Sunday morning sermon. As the bride of Christ, a lot of preparations was done. You can't just say, oh, magically it's going to happen. Snap my finger and all of a sudden everything's going to happen. It does not work that way. If you don't believe me, ask every woman that has been a part of a, one the, a wedding like that. I know that you can go to the courthouse and I know that there's a... I'm talking about when all the hair and, and the, big, the big dress and the long train, all of that... Please don't think I'm diminishing that because I enjoyed that day. I enjoyed being able to stand down front, look down that aisle, and there she came down that aisle. I hadn't seen her since the night before, and I, that person that was coming down the aisle, was, she didn't look nothing like I, the night before. But every day she wakes up and I tell her she's pretty. She's beautiful. But she was pretty and she was beautiful. But this is the point that I'm making. A lot of preparation went into that moment. Church, we've got a lot of preparation getting going into that moment. What is that moment? The day of the rapture of the church. There are some that are sitting back thinking, well, somebody will do it for me. Stan will be here in a minute. He's going to fix my hair. What we've got to understand is there is preparation for the bride of... We're the bride of Christ. There is preparation that must be done. So let's go on. The, the Lord of hosts... The Lord of hosts is the creator, the redeemer, and the husband of the bride of Christ. Isaiah 54 and verse 5. We also find in Ephesians chapter 5... The scripture tells us that Christ pledges himself to prepare the bride for her presentation unto himself. So what does that mean? Look, y'all all know that I was not in that room fixing Sister Carrie's hair. Boy, that would not be a mess. But what the, th what the Bible is telling us is that the groom, Christ, says... I'm going to prepare the bride, which is us, for the coming of the groom. In other words, Christ says, I'm going to prepare the church for the coming of the rapture of the church. And what we've got to do is we've got to fall into that preparation. But there are so many that sits back and says, well... God called me into this particular ministry and I'm just going to sit over here and if God really wanted me in this, He'll do something. It don't work that way. I've had a lot of evangelists, that I have had evangelists to tell me, or uh, you know, missionaries that's overseas, they'll tell me, and, and these very, very few, they fail miserably. Well, Andy, that sure was awful bold and blunt and ugly. They fail miserably because they th oh, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm just going to pack a few bags and I'm gone. Well, where's the preparation in that? When I went on the mission field, I went to Venezuela. went there twice. Went there for over two weeks both times. There was a preparation that had to be done. The first time I went, there was six months of preparation before we got on the plane. There's passports. There's training. You don't just walk into Venezuela and think, oh, I have arrived. There was things that we was told you can and cannot say. You say these things. <laughs> you had to be prepared. You had to be ready. There is preparation in everything we do. And as children of God... You know, we can't just come into the house of God and think, oh, everything's done. No, there's preparation for every service. Well, what am I supposed to do? I would love to ask. I'd hate to ask and find anybody that mm, would lie. But how many prayed for the service this last week coming up to today? Th there's preparation. Hello? 
A voice from heaven, verse 3, Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, a voice from heaven announces God's home with His people. All the results of sin has been finished off. Verse 4 tells us all the tears are gone. Death is gone. Sadness is gone. Pain is gone. Eternal blessedness forevermore. Well, why do we get that? Because we're living with the Father. Take a look at verse, let's go ahead and read verse uh, 5 through 7. I know I'll read them and then go back to them, but you know, hey. Verse 5 tells us this. He says, And he who was seated, seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Verse 6. And he said unto me, You know, does anybody remember Christ dying on the cross? What was the last three words he said? It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That's what the scripture says. But look at what is here in verse 6. He said unto me, it's done. It is done. I am the first, I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. The one that is thirsty, I'll give you springs of water, of life. Without payment. Verse 7. So the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I'll be his God. And he will be my son. God is a God of new things. Now I'm going to be very, very careful how, how, I, how I break that sentence down. Because some people will misread into what I'm fixing to say. And I want you to listen to me very, very closely. We have not heard all of the things of God. We've not heard all of the things of God. But I also know that God does not change. What God said yesterday is the same today. If God said it was a sin then, it's a sin today. God didn't change His mind. And guess what? If it's a sin yesterday, it's a sin today, and it's going to be a sin tomorrow. God hasn't changed those things. If God said yesterday, in order to come into the presence of God, what we've got to do is we've got to lift up our, the, we've got to lift up praise to God. If God said that then, then guess what? How do we get in the presence of God? By lifting up praise to Him. And then what do we do tomorrow? The same thing. However, God is a God of new things. There are times that the old things don't work anymore. Why? Because man mucks it up. How many times do you have to get a new phone? Y'all don't tell the, the, the cell phone carriers I said this, but you know, they, they do the payment plans or they do the contracts for two years. I really think that there's something built into this system that tears it up in two years. I'm just going ahead and telling you. And then you had to go back and you had to get a brand new phone. But how many times have you called the carrier, the network, have you called that, have you called the manufacturer or called them and said, hey, something is messed up on my phone? They walk through those troubleshooting tips. They look at a couple of things. And what 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 I don't know about you, but this is what they it always comes down to. It always comes back to and it says this: do a factory reset. Every time, do a factory reset. What's the next step? Do a factory reset. Well, what about, nope, do a factory reset. Do you know what they're really telling you? Y'all don't tell them I said this. Look, I owned a computer business at one time a month or two ago. Longer than that. And one of the biggest things that caused issues in computers and causes issues in phones is when man does something that messes things up. Oh, I haven't ever done anything to mess up my... Oh, yeah. The stories I could tell you of things I fixed on computers. I'll tell you this one because this ties right into this, okay? God is a God of new things. Got a call one day. This lady says that her 
that her box, her computer box, you might remember those towers, about yay big and about that wide, them big old things, we don't make, they, they ain't that big no more. The one in the sound booth is because it was special made, but they don't make them like that. They don't want to make them, yeah, but this month. She said, my computer box has water rolling out of the bottom. Now, last time I checked, those boxes don't produce water. It, it, water has to be introduced. Boy, there's a sermon in that. Anyways, let's go on. So when I get there, does, can anybody guess what was sitting on top of her computer box? A green plant. What do you have to do to those green plants? You've got to water them. Did you know that it doesn't just stay in that? It comes out? Did anybody know that? And when it comes out, it comes out the bottom. And where does it go? Into her computer box. Now I can do nothing but laugh about it. It wasn't a laughing matter then. Because this was also the same person that refused to back up everything on, you know, anyways, on the computer, on the business servers and stuff. It was all on her computer and it was password protected and she lost it all. So I bring that out and I tell you that God is a God of new things. What did I have to do to fix her problem? What did the, the cell phone company do, have to do to fix whatever the issue is going on with your technology? It has to take it back to before humans was introduced. Now I know that humans, I knew that humans built those things, but you get my point. User error. Well, guess what? Mankind has the biggest user error, and it's called sin. And God is going to make all things new. What is He going to do? Everything is going to be brought back to before user error. Sin was introduced. Y'all don't tell Sister Carrie what music was. God is a God of new things. We have got to realize that God wants to bring things back to where He made it when He said, it is good. God demonstrated that in creation, when He made something out of nothing, He brought things into existence. Mankind needed to remember how God delivered man from Egypt bondage. Mankind needed to remember how that God brought Daniel out of the lion's den. Mankind needs to remember how God brought Shadrach, Meshach, and a belly goat out of, one of our kids told me that, out of the fiery furnace. Man needs to know and remember how God brought the giant down, not by a mighty army, but by a little shepherd boy named David. Not by a bazooka, but a slingshot and a rock. Man makes things more complicated than it really needs to be. So in all of that, we find that in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, he says this, remember, don't remember the former things. Don't consider the things of old. I want to do something new in your life. I want to do, forget the sin. Forget the failures. Forget the times that you was torn down. Forget how you failed God. God wants to do something new in our lives. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a way in a will. But Andy, he doesn't want, he, he, he's not talking about the things that he used to do. Well, guess what? Look at the rest of the verse. He says in verse 19, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He brings back up the things he's already done. So when he says, don't, don't remember the former things, don't remember the, the things of old, he's not talking about the things he's done. He's talking about the things, how we royally fouled it up. At the end of the age, God is seen making all things new. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5. He creates a new universe for the benefit of those who have been made new by the blood 
of Christ. The Lord tells John, write down all these things. He tells him in Revelation 21 and verse 6, he identifies himself as the Alpha, the Omega, just as he did. Now, I know that this verse, Revelation 21 and 6, is on the, on the screen. But go back to just in your Bible. Take a look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. He says the thing, same thing. In Revelation chapter 1, he tells us who he is. And then Revelation 21 and 6, he tells us who he is. He is the glorious, triumphant king. We are assured of the promise of the new world. It is trustworthy and true. Every word, every promise that comes out of his mouth are yes and amen. We can trust the word of God. We can go on. I, I, I don't, is this verse in there? You can go on to look at verse 8. In, in Revelation 20, okay. In Revelation 21, verse 8, it's a dark and somber moment. Not everyone will inherit the blessings of God. But it's for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, sexual immorality, sorcerers, idolaters, liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You know, that, that's really surprising how that verse starts out. It says, verse 8, for the cowardly. It takes strength. Mine and your language. It takes guts to follow after Christ. It's a cowardly way to say, you know, boy, this is always rough right here. Boy, you know what? I'm just going to take the easy road. Because if I take the easy road, then that means that the devil's not messing with me. If I take the easy road, that means that nothing bad is going to happen. If I take the easy road, then the things are not going to take place like they used to. What we've got to understand, not everyone will inherit the blessings of God. Those who have a sinful lifestyle will not find a place prepared for the followers of Christ. Those that are cowardly, those that are faithless. Brother Andy, you just have no idea what I've done in my life. Nope, you, ain't, you don't have no idea what I've done in my life. Oh, but Brother Andy, you've been in church all your life. God does not quantify sin. If we was making a scale here, this, is the, this side is the worst that could ever happen and this is, you know, it ain't that bad. Where would we put mankind? Where would we put liars? Me, I'm going to put it about hit middle. <laughs> I can't stand a liar. But where are we going to put a murderer? Way over here. Where are we going to put somebody that steals a piece of bubble gum? I don't like a, I don't like a, th a thief either, but on a scale... You're going to put stealing a piece of bubble gum and murder, you're going to put them that far apart. But God does not look at sin in that way. He doesn't justify it that way. He doesn't quantify it in that fashion. Sin is sin. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. What matters is what have you done from the day you gave Christ your heart and your life from that day forward. That's what God's looking at. Why? Because everything else is covered by the blood. Their fate, those that are cowardly, those that are faithless, those that are detestable, their fate will be to burn in the lake of fire forevermore. That's the second death. They will be excluded from heaven and they'll have punishment forever. Let's go on and let's take a look at the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem you can find in Revelation chapter 21, verse 9 through 21. This is only the second part of this, so you know, the chances of me finishing this Sunday school lesson is slim to none. Let's take a look at verses 9 through 11, starting in verse 9. Then, this is Revelation 21, starting in verse 9. 
Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke, Come and I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Verse 10. And carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Verse 11. Having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper, like a jasper clear as crystal. One of the angels who pronounced the coming wrath of God now calls upon John to, to behold the bride of Christ. The same angel had admonished in Revelation 17 John to witness the judgment of the great harlot. You can find that in Revelation 17. Now that same angel is telling him, now look, you've seen the harlot, now you're going to look at the bride of Christ. In one scene, he's seen the ultimate display of evil, something of unspeakable, and another scene was something of unspeakable beauty and purity. In one contrast, the harlot is described as a wicked city, Mystery of the Babylon the Great, it's Revelation 17, verse 5 and verse 18. While the bride is shown to be a great city, also the holy Jerusalem descending from the heavens, Revelation 21 and verse 10. We find in Revelation 21 and 16, the city is like a cube, high and wide. In verse 12 it says, its gates stand open day and night, and each gate is guarded by an angel. You can see the difference when he's talking about the harlot versus the bride of Christ. I have said this before. Some actually got a little upset me when I said this, and that's okay. People can pretend to be a Christian. I can go out and get the harlot and train them to be a Christian. Doesn't make them one. But I can train them to act like. I can go get the world's worst drunk. I can go get anybody you want. And I can train them to be a Christian. I can give them a cue. This is when you say amen. This is when you say praise the Lord. This is when you lift up your hands. This is when you shake a little bit. You can train anybody to do anything, anything like that. But if God's not with it, they can say amen all day long. Don't mean anything. Right? Y'all just don't realize what it was like starting in March, April, May of 2020. April, May, or March, April, May, June, July. Standing here, and nobody was in this house. I know some, I, we never did this, but I know some churches, they was putting pictures all over the place. Look, there were some pictures I wouldn't have wanted. I'm kidding. I would have wanted them all. But the thing about it is, is it's, it's different having somebody truly getting a hold of God and has that relationship, you can tell the difference. This is what John's trying to portray to us. Go on to, let's take a look at verse 22. Revelation 21, starting verse 22, I saw, let's read through 24. I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God and the Almighty and the Lamb. 23. And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp, lamp is the Lamb. Verse 24. Its light will, be, will the nations walk. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. The temple is always the central spot of the city. In, in Bible times... And even today, pilgrims will travel for many, many miles and many hours to the temple 
to engage the Lord in worship. I don't, you know, today you can't get people to drive one mile, much less many, many miles or many, many hours. And when we drive today, we drive and we have wheels that goes round and around. We have a metal frame or aluminum <laughs> frame that keeps us protected from the elements, the winds, the bugs, hallelujah, the rain. We have a little knob in there that you can do it this way and it blows air conditioning. If you're in Dan's car, it's year round. <laughs> or you can have another little knob that you can turn for heat. Some of you husbands know exactly what I'm talking about. One will turn the air on, the other one turns the heat on. <laughs> you got a thing over here, or the art just reminded me, you got a thing over here, you can roll the window down or you can roll it up. Got a comfortable, look, they've got seats now that if you sit, man, it's warm or it's cold. Folks in Bible times, they didn't have all those things. They didn't have Nike airs on their feet to walk and cushion. They had sandals. They would travel for hours, many, many miles to do what? To come into the presence of God. Why? Why in verse 22 did John find no temple in the new, in the new Jerusalem, the new city? Because there's no need. Because God and the Lamb of God are everywhere. Now, I am so glad today that I really don't have, you know, like I just spoke about uh, March, April, May, June, July, those times of 2020, we wasn't able to come into this house. Today, there's still some that are not able to come here and they get to watch on live feed. I am so happy for that. But I'm, I am... I am glad that when we had those times that we all had to stay at home. Now, y'all don't kid me. I know that some of you were still in your pajamas watching live stream. I know some of you were sitting on your back porch drinking a cup of coffee while I'm, while I'm preaching my heart out. I'm not. I, I know. Brother Larry is probably out on the dock with his phone. Fishing rod in, and he had his phone sitting here. He caught a big one, and he said, Okay, Brother Andy, you, I'll, I'll pause you. <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. He probably did No, he probably did I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Why is that available to us? Because guess what? We don't have to just come into this house to be in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit of God is with us everywhere we take Him. We take Him, He's with us. But there is also a great need to come into the house of God. It builds us up. It encourages us. It rejuvenates us. The glory of God and the glory of the redeeming Lamb are not only spread throughout the city, the environment, but all those who come into the gates of that holy city. This is a fulfillment of the prophecies found in Isaiah chapter 60. The holy city is central to all things. All existence move in and out of that city. The new Jerusalem has been prophesied throughout the Old Testament, as a glorification of Jerusalem in the fulfillment of the eternal kingdom of God. Its created light is unnecessary. For everlasting uncreated light will illuminate all things. And that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's go on. I'm on. Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 22. We're going to look at an invitation to new life. Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse, let's read verse 3 and verse 4. 
Verse 3 and verse 4 tells us, And no longer there will be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in it. His servants will worship Him. Verse 4. And they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. We didn't read it, but you could look at verse 1, and you can see that John is now shown the pure river of life. The river does not spring up from the ground. Instead, it flows from the throne of God. Water is pure, crystal clear, signifying the unmixed joys of heaven. You know, when we come together here on earth, we get happy about certain things. Somebody gets something, somebody gets a brand new job. Somebody gets something, uh, a new, something new in their life. We, look, every time one of you buy a new car or a new to you car, what do you got to do? Y'all look at what, look at what I was able to get. And we, we all, y'all, we all do it. We all go out to the parking lot and we all rejoice in the fact that God blessed you with that. Because we all realize that I can't do it in and of myself. It is all a God thing. Right? Well, that's the way. And I know that there's always somebody. Look, there's always somebody. Because they've done, look, they've come to me and they told me about the things that God's blessed me with. I've been, I, look, it wasn't this church, it was somewhere else. They come to me and they said, we, bought, we had just bought Sister Carrie's blue car. That Chevy Sonic, brand new, had 14 miles pulling off the lot. And it has been great, a great car ever since. We've had a thermostat problem, and that's been it, pretty much. Everything has been fixed under warranty or factory recalls. It's been a great car. Some things they thought they was fixing under factory warranty and recalls, and really, you know, we had to, Help them point in the right direction. Some here had to help me point them in the right direction because y'all know I don't know nothing about them cars. But the fact of it is, pulled up in that brand new car. Now, I worked a full-time job at the time. Pulled up in a brand new car, and I had some church folks. Guess what they said? Well, we must be paying the pastor too much. I'm looking at them, I'm like, yeah, that ain't even worth me responding to. But instead of a degradation of the blessings that God has given to us, we are given to all of us whenever something good happens in our lives, what do we need to do? We need to rejoice at the blessings that God has placed in all of our lives. Why? Because that's what God wants us to do. There's not any room for a negative thought, no curse, no accursed thing. No negativity in the New Jerusalem. You find that in verse 3. All of that is going to be removed and the presence of God will prevail. The Lord will reign supreme and His followers will rejoice in the freedom that they have. Last thought that we want to look at. Take a look at verse 13, 14, well, just read 13 through 17. Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 13, and it says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city of by the gates, verse 15. Outside are the dogs, sorcerers, sexual immoral, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In other words, those who lie. Verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things from the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright, and the morning star, verse 17. 
the Spirit say, and the bride say, Come. And let those who hear say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. The angel who has been guiding John's tour throughout all of Revelation affirms that this is a painting of trustworthiness and truthfulness. This angel has become a spokesperson of God, not only to John, but to the churches, but also to us today. By restating the titles of Christ, which were declared earlier in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, and Revelation chapter 22 and verse 13, John is acknowledged that God is capable of bringing about all of the events that has been prophesied to us here in the book of Revelation. None of these things are outside of the realm of God. Now let's be honest. Throughout this study that we've been doing on Revelation on Sunday nights, those that have watched, yeah, I know some of you haven't watched. Some have gone back and watched. There's been some of the things that we've been teaching about is just sort of looking like, and it's just like, man, that is so far-fetched. How could those things happen? But the angel is showing us through John, said, hey, these things are trustworthy and true. You can take what God says is going to happen. You can take it to the bank. It's going to take place. But there's also a word of hope ending on verse 20. There's a word of hope for us today. Look at verse 20. He testified to these things. And Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. I know we face heartache, we face trials, we face troubles, we face tribulations, we face ups and downs, we face depressions, we face anxiety, we face all of these things. We face pain, we face cancer, we face glasses, we face here, we face all of the things, but we have hope. Why? Verse 20. I am coming soon. Jesus is telling us that I am coming to get you out of those things that you're facing. Jesus is at the door. Every believer should be able to echo the words of John in his declaration when he said, Even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come. Lord Jesus. Look at verse 21. Verse 21, John concludes with a gracious benediction. And this is where we're going to end. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Look, I know that there's a whole long thing here in Revelation. It's a big, big book. There's a lot of stuff happening in this book. But guess what? God tells us, I am coming soon. And then 